listening to Conscious as a Mother. I'm Carson. I'm Prim. Join us as we bring unfiltered conversations as a catalyst for connection in these isolating times. So whether you're a plant mom, dog mom, a mom to humans, or not a mom at all, these conversations are for you. And we promise to never take ourselves too seriously. Hey guys, what's up? It's Christmas Eve Eve up in yeah, here. Yeah, it? Christmas Eve Eve. Is that too embarrassing to say up in here? Up you think in it's her. Okay? Up in her. I don't know. That's just where my brain goes Stop. to that song. We're the worst. <laughs> we are your two nerdy moms <laughs> that are recording an intro at the end of a podcast because my power went out. So we're going to do this part again. Um... But we wanted to like do a little disclaimy for this disclaimy. episode because <laughs> because yeah we talk about some sensitive content. Prem wanted to do yeah. the disclaimer yeah. or slash disclaimy. I don't know if she wanted to, but I told her maybe no. She I, I do want. I, she always sounds so professional. Thanks. Um, well, my first disclaimy is that me and Carson are not uh, medical professionals, and we're just sharing our anecdotal experience no. here. And we do go into depth about um, eating disorder recovery, uh, body image, and movement. And so if you're in any of a tender space to not be able to listen to that, please don't and take care of yourself and, um, you know, pop back at next week. I I just want to be really, um, you know, clear here that we are two straight-sized women um, that, you know, this is our own personal experience. I think we do a pretty good justice of... um, you know, trying to be conscious and speak, you know, for the the movement on the whole. But it is, you know, it is our experiences. And um, we do talk about uh, eating disorder recovery. We don't mention numbers, but it's it still can be a tender space. So I just wanted to put some content warning out there for anyone. Um, I know at a certain point, I might not be able to listen to this episode in a, yeah. a, a safe way. So I just wanted to say that for um, some of our followers. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, we we go into quite a few things and maybe touch on a few behaviors. But in the whole, I think that this is a really awesome episode. If you ever feel, if you ever feel, I don't know why I had an accent. If you, <laughs> if you ever feel like coming back to this episode, it will always be here for you. Um, and you can, yeah, listen to next week's episode. But so y'all, it's Christmas Eve Eve. And Prim, I want to give you, since my power cut off, and you guys are probably like, I. Um, if you're sticking around for all of our weird, we don't even have, you know that we don't even have to tell them about the time. I know. I always think that when you mention we it, do it, I think it's funny. We do it anyway. I do it anyway. Um, just because it's like, I want them to know that we've been recording for like a right. few hours now. <laughs> and because they're probably like, where are your kids when you record? And that's a great question. <laughs> um, they're running around our house screaming and um, I'm editing them out. <laughs> so, uh No. That's not, that is true, actually. I shouldn't have said no. Yes. And um, uh, that's why we're anyway, delirious. I just love and to like giggling them, at everything. And, I know. You know, just so you guys know. know. Please make it, you can make it through this intro. Make it through this intro of us just and then babbling we're normal about nothing. And then we'll be normal in the episode. But yeah, we just wanted to pop in and say yo. And <laughs> Prim had this beautiful thing about how she wants to like foster this sense of memory and connection for Christmas and not about consumerism. And I was like, I said something about how like I'm doing the opposite. I'm like buying all the things and I'm panicking this year. But you know what? There's no wrong way right. to show up show right up now. Show up however you can. And Make it through. Show up. Just show up. And we're here. And um 
premise right. I'm just, I want to just say yes, yes to what you said. And I want to do the same thing. I want to foster like a safe space of fun and magic for the quote holidays when I'm not even like connected to this holiday in any um, religious capacity, but it is such a magical time for me no matter what, because it's just magic about family, family magic. Yeah. And I, I think I was saying something too, along the lines of like, you know, fostering connection and memories for your children can be super elaborate and beautiful and you know you can buy all the things and decorations or it can be really simple and you know almost nothing and children really just want to be with you and you know um be seen and sat with and loved on and I think for me personally that's because in the past I'm such a like let's host and like decorate and like do all this stuff like this year so much pressure is off like just out of my control because you know we're not getting together with family we don't have any family up here so um which it's kind of it's kind of nice that like like I'm sad that we don't have any family up here but also like if we did it wouldn't make a difference so it's kind of like helps me lean into that a little bit and you know if there's any year to like cut yourself some slack and all of the directions it's this Mm -hmm. one and I I think you were speaking to that too and uh yeah so absolutely yep I totally agree. Well, you guys enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening and have a happy Christmas, Harry. (laughs) Sorry. Happy Christmas, Harry. Harry. (laughs) Happy Christmas, Ron. Yo, wizard Harry. Mom knitted you a sweater. It's over there. (laughs) I love doing British accents. And if you're British, I'm not making fun of you. I just wish I was you. Oh my gosh, the opposite of I, making I am, fun of I am, you. I'm celebrating Literally, you. Literally, please know. I'm celebrating it's the you. Op- it's like I'm lusting yes. for your yeah. accent and have been my whole life. So Enjoy the episode. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Cheerio. Uh, okay. Guys, I just want to say that we were like really flowing for 20 minutes and my power mm-hmm. went out. My power flashed in and out and I'm not sure why, but it's back and we're just going to keep on moving forward um so for this episode and this conversation around body image and you know body image postpartum intuitive movement all of that realm where should we start right i think that um it would only be suiting and fitting to discuss kind of like where we are and maybe just kind of have a back and forth about that and hear each other's hear each other out maybe not in like a taking turns type of way but maybe just Mm -hmm. like having this conversation flow in because I know that um like you mentioned you mentioned earlier that we both um kind of come from a space of you know this health at every size um you know body positivity slash body neutrality um intuitive eating intuitive movement space and I know not everyone is there and um you know, we like we encourage everyone to do their research and we will include some resources in the show notes that we mm-hmm. found helpful. But in our personal lives, I wouldn't even say we've stepped like we were talking about before my power was cut off. We haven't stepped out of that world, but we have stepped into that world and like embodied it in a, in a um, sustainable way for our lives. Um, and not so much like constantly listening to that stuff. But um, I say listening because like I was just like a podcast. Podcasts. Yeah, podcaster. me too. Me too. I loved the yeah. podcast. I listen to them all the time. Um, but I think that they are, like you mentioned, they are such a useful tool. But yeah. Um, so Prim, 
we kind of have had an intro to your journey with like eating disorder and Mm -hmm. bodies and stuff like that. But I know that you kind of came to like a deeper realization of your relationship with food and your body, I think post Zelda's pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Okay. So can you kind of give me some insight into like, yeah, like body image during your pregnancy with her and kind of like how you chose, if you chose to move your body during that and kind of, um, yeah, what that first experience was kind of like for you. Cause I think the first experience, um, at least for me, was a little bit different than my second experience. So, yeah, I just wanted Completely. to chat about that. Yeah. yeah. So I'll say my um, my first pregnancy with Zelda, I was – and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I was deeper into the disordered eating, eating disordered uh, mindset than I really thought I was. I thought that because I hadn't practiced uh, actively my bulimia that – I was recovered. And, you know, I, I understand now that recovery is such a, it's this huge ongoing thing throughout your whole life that also um, ebbs and flows, uh, or at least for me, it did. There's, you know, there's ups and downs. Um, but at the time, I, I, I thought I was good. Um, and I will say early on in Zelda's pregnancy, I knew that um, I just kind of felt unsafe with food and I, I needed to know, I needed someone to hold me accountable. So I went to um, a therapist and got a full diagnosis. And that, I think that just made me feel like, okay, like this is real. I'm not just like, you know, gaslighting myself and I can get support if I need it. I wasn't keen on her approach, but I moved through my pregnancy, feeding myself the way that I, you know, felt comfortable at the time. And I was mostly vegan. And then after having her, um, or I will say in my pregnancy, I was, I was very, uh, scrutinizing of my body and uh, very, very um, anxious, intense around gaining the quote unquote right amount of weight or not gaining Mm -hmm. quote unquote too much weight. And it was to the point where I think that that is not healthy because when I I think of health, I think of it as physical, emotional, spiritual um, health, a, a holistic a whole approach to health, not just physical health. If you just have your physical health and the other areas are lacking, you're not a truly healthy whole human being or as healthy as you could be. Um, And for me, it was so obtrusive that it, it wasn't me operating at a healthy level. And I didn't realize that at the time. And so I was introduced to food psych um, podcast, like I've mentioned in previous episodes via you when Zelda was like six months old. And that is what started me down. Um, the rabbit hole of, you know, I read intuitive eating. Um, I did all the research around uh, health at every size. And then, uh, oh, the other book, Body Respect, um, and consumed at a just lightning speed, everything I could get my hands on in that Mm -hmm. world. Yeah. Um, So many podcasts, so many books. And like we were saying earlier, it's so helpful for time. And there, I think there's a space for, I mean, and everyone's journey is different, but there's a space where like it being really heavy like that was, uh, really what I needed. It was like my own kind of, um, treatment for myself. I I never went to formal treatment. I never got like, I never had like a full team. Like I didn't have that Mm -hmm. resource available to me. You were a mom too, a working mom. 
Yeah. And so this was me making my own little team. And I surrounded myself uh, on social media with accounts that, uh, you know, were body positive or um, anti-diet to help me keep in line with uh, my values. And that served me for a really long time. And um, some of those accounts I still follow and some of them I don't. And I think it's because like, um, you know, kind of like you and I were saying earlier, we just, we're just more, I think, settled in a place where it's so much a part of our everyday life that we don't need the constant reminders as much. Mm, Um, and sometimes I do, sometimes I do need that reminder when I start to have like a food thought or a body thought that's getting, um, intrusive. I like to just like, oh yeah, like me actively trying to lose weight. It, it actually doesn't work and I'm just going to cause more harm than good to my body. Mm-hmm. What can I do right now that's actually healthful? And it's usually something like go on a walk to clear my head or drink a glass of water. You know, Absolutely. it's like really something like that. Yeah, um, I totally, totally relate. Yeah. So what was whenever you were going through that um, or whenever you were like stepping into that space in your life with your small child and – um and then you moved into your second pregnancy, kind of like, how did you approach it from that lens? Did you feel like you were able to enjoy your pregnancy in a different way? I don't want to say more, but do you, do you feel like there were, um, yeah, any differences that you were able to take with you and be like, oh yeah, like, I'm glad I did this work. I'm sure. But like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, what was, what was that experience like? And was there any like differences between the two? So having done so much work on my myself in the realm of basically what I expected and understood my body to be able to do um, based on truth and evidence-based research versus, you know, colloquial cultural understanding, um, I just really settled into being okay with my body however it needed to be. And I finally really understood that, you know, my body knows how to take care of itself. My body knows how to feed itself. And if I can tap into those cues, um, I can, I can accept my body, however it is. Uh, and I'm not, I don't mean to say it's easy. It's going to be so much harder for some people than others. And I have an immense amount of privilege and, uh, body privilege. And, um, you know, so my experience walking through the world is like, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about not being able to, to fit in an airplane seat or like the chairs at a restaurant or getting looked at in a certain way. Like I, that, that is not that, and that is so true for so many people. So doing this work is even harder because they're constantly scrutinized if they're people of size. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I just have to always put that out there, but with, um, about like I got pregnant with Sage like two years after Zelda and so I felt very settled in that like that was the moment where I was like okay like this is who I am this is what I do I eat intuitively um I move for enjoyment and I I don't like for instance I don't like running so I don't run I don't Mm -hmm. force myself to run I don't force myself to do a movement that I don't like other people love running and they run all the time because they love it for me, there's no part of it, not even the quote-unquote runner's high, that is, like, exciting for me. I, it just feels like torture, so I don't do it. But there's <laughs> a, there's oh other gosh. movement that I do enjoy. and um, So many people also, relate to that, including myself. <laughs> yeah, and I also don't think that 
movement is a requirement for you to be worthy. Like you could just not move in a or ec- mm-hmm. or exercise or whatever, and you are still a whole, complete, worthy human being. And I think starting with that is a very important piece um, in all of this. Um, so with Sage, I I was able to settle in. A little bit more and there there were moments of being uncomfortable with like my my body right. mm-hmm. physically um just because I I did get bigger and I was like oh my gosh this is like whoa that's like hard to live a little my confronting life. Um, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and there there were times where it came up but that's where all the work I had done all the tools that I had and all the research I had done was able to override the negative thoughts because I recognize I will probably always have that negative, you know, call it your eating disorder voice or whatever um, culture chiming in. But but my values and what I believe in are stronger than that. And I think that's a really important piece for me when it comes to, you know, my uh, my body image and food journey. And so with Sage's pregnancy, I decided um, from the beginning that I didn't want to know my weight. I communicated to all my providers. I told them of my eating disorder history, which is, it was kind of annoying. I'll just be completely right. honest that I mm-hmm. had to tell my story over and over again. It's very vulnerable. I felt very raw from it in the beginning because it's a lot of repeating yourself and a lot of nurses not reading your chart and shouting out your weight at you and some of that, and um, which whatever, but... I, I, I just made it a point to advocate for myself in that way because I knew that that was something that I needed to gain, to get space from. I just needed to not know how much I weighed because that is what turns on the voice mm-hmm. a little bit louder. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I was able to enjoy um, my pregnancy and, you know, feeling the baby in my belly a little bit more without all of the anxiety around, like, what I looked like or, you know, I just... It was, yeah, it was just easier for me having done a lot of that work um, after he was born. It was a di- it's a little bit of a different story. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll pause there. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can jump into that because you are still in the after he was born kind of world. So um, yeah, but yeah, so I I would agree with like what you're saying about and I think that this this deserves to be repeated is like the concept that we are not striving to be perfect and we don't just like it's not like poof it's just gone from our lives Mm -hmm. or and I think that even people that haven't had like a very like um definite history with whether it be an eating disorder or body dysmorphia or some sort of exercise addiction or anything like that I don't think that even if you haven't struggled with anything like that um you're gonna have just like this perfect free open you know, live open brain when it comes to this type of relationship that you have with your body or food or whatever. I mean, I think that there are, there are times when, yeah, when things come up and you have to make a, or you have thoughts, like things come up, thoughts come up and you have to use your tools to kind of like move through them or move away from them. It really depends on what it is. If you know what I'm saying, like it really depends Mm -hmm. on what the thoughts are, what they're, trying to avoid or control or where that's coming from um because sometimes it'll come up in a time of happiness sometimes it'll come up in a time of you know stress or you know and you just have to I kind of have always 
been of the thought process that like they are trying to protect me in a weird way from whatever's really going on and to know that that's like what a lot of people you know say and it's funny I this is just a small thing but you mentioned like your therapist you weren't like totally in love with her approach I actually had a similar experience with my first like therapy therapist kind of like uh conversation surrounding the whole eating disorder disorder (laughs) whole eating disorder um world at least in my life i have a like i went to see a dietitian and um a therapist and yeah there was just a lot to that experience that it's hard to explain but it just was and i and i all i kind of wrote it off in the moment as like oh this is just hard and i don't like this because i just don't want to be doing this and i want to be doing what i was doing but there were now looking back there were a few things that were like odd and just very hard for me at the time like I remember my dietitian had me like writing down every single thing that I ate which I'm not saying that it's yeah every (laughs) single thing that I ate and she also gave me like a sheet of paper to like make meals from so like this Mm -hmm. is what you eat you eat this yogurt and you need this berry and you're gonna need this these almonds or whatever like that's one healthy meal like that is a meal that is full and whole but she also would preach like you know, every food, all food is good. So it's like, I think her message was like to get my mind around what a real day's worth of eating for my age, my body, whatever, um, what, what was appropriate. Even if I was literally just laying in bed all day, like this is how much you need on just like a baseline. I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of where she was coming from because then she would talk about like all foods are equal and you could eat like 30 jars of peanut butter in one day or whatever. I mean, she wouldn't say that, but she was saying, like, you wouldn't do that every single day for the rest of your life, Carson. So, like, just know that, like, your body is taking care of you. We just need to, like, let it take care of you and we need to help. So I think that, like, the whole, like, food thing where I was, like, writing everything down and reporting back to her, that was so weird for me. And I, like, I just don't know if that was super helpful. And her whole tone with everything, like, and I'm going to say this, and I've said this before, but... I'm just really not like a tough love kind of person. And so like for me to get this like tough, weird, like confronting love, like I said, it totally could have just been the environment of like, this is what I needed in the moment. Like it was that bad that I needed like someone to really tell me what to do. I don't know. And there was also an eating disorder group that I was a part of with like some really amazing people. They were so sweet, but I will say that was like, oh my gosh, that was... (laughs) really hard for me to do because there were people of literally every size person that you can imagine like in every different type of yeah there was every different type of um behaviors and sometimes we talked about we tried not just I think like one of the rules was like you don't talk about your behaviors or your you know your rituals um Mm -hmm. but then my mind would just wonder and like my mind would just like wonder what was up with them like what was her deal what was her deal what was her deal what was her deal and like you know there were some girls that like and sometimes they were they were doing it right after an appointment with her because she would have it at like 7 p.m at night and then somebody would maybe have an appointment at six and just stick around for the group Mm -hmm. and um like one time i saw so and so get weighed because we got weighed there which is weird Yeah. And but I mean, like she was making sure that we were gaining according to like what was appropriate for our recovery. Um, And we weren't like we didn't like look at the scale. But I do remember she did look at the scale and she told her what it was like whatever was up with this girl. Like she was still cool with looking at the scale and like telling her anyway. So I just remember like there was a lot of weird comparative 
things going on, especially with the whole group situation. And I don't know, there was just a lot of it for me that like sticks in my brain as being like a really weird and like maybe not the best thing for me at the time, but it was kind of the only thing available in Tyler where I lived. It was like this specific set of like, you go to her and you go to this dietitian who the dietitian herself, who I love, she was also like a hot yoga. She was a Bikram instructor. Mm. And I remember kind of being like, confused by that which now I don't I don't feel that way but I remember back then I was like huh like how is she like literally like a hot yoga instructor that's like the opposite of what they're telling me to like do for with my body it's like they want me to be like loving my body not like sweating it out and I just had all of these thoughts I just like I think maybe it was just like my brain trying to drive itself away from the food thoughts I was thinking about overanalyzing the whole situation and like <laughs> just creating these worlds of these people that I was surrounded in. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but like, I just found the whole experience, like very much like exposure therapy, kind of like just very triggering in a lot of ways, but I did move through it and I, I found a lot of it really helpful, but I'm not sorry. That was like just my history with eating disorder. That wasn't really even about pregnancy, but (laughs) I think something that you're really speaking to, and I think this is comes up in the, you know, and I'm not a dietitian, but I know a lot of dietitians, and I've interviewed a lot of dietitians, and yeah, um, I there kind of this toxic recovery space is something mm-hmm. that I'm kind of hearing from this, and as in like from, and, and I've had a similar experience where you surround yourself with people that are going through something similar, but it kind of keeps you there. Mm-hmm. Um, it can kind of keep you there a little bit, and I think the intention can be there, um, but the way it lands with certain individuals, I think is not always uh, actually a healthy approach. And I think some of the the recovery paradigm is, is still kind of archaic. Um, and I, I think it's changing. I, I know of a lot of yeah, dietitians now. That was like 10 years using, ago. I mean, that was a right, long time right. ago. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of dietitians now using intuitive eating as a way to enter into um, eating disorder recovery. And it's it's way more common knowledge than it, it was even five years ago when I was first learning about it. Like eating disorder, dietitians, eating disorder, dietitians using um, the kind of standard model that you're describing was more prevalent than using an intuitive eating model. And I mean, you mentioned it when you said, it sounds like she was maybe halfway there because if she said you could eat 30 jars of peanut butter, like you wouldn't be doing it forever. She she recommended the book and like she talked about the book too. But I I will say like I almost felt like she got kind of hung up on like the perfect way to be an intuitive eater. So, right. and that's like kind of good. That's a whole, yeah. And that's a whole thing. Like that is, yeah, a, totally. and I was like stepping in. I felt like with her, I was kind of stepping into that too. And I, like you're saying, it's like, it's, it is a way that does function and help for other people. And I, like, I couldn't help but wonder during that whole period of time, like, especially with the group, like, is it working for them? Cause for me, I was just like, this just feels like, I'm like hand, like just trying to do exactly what someone else says about my life. And I it just felt like it was just not, I wasn't fully, yeah, I didn't fully see the loving side of it, like the, the nurturing side of it. And I think that, yeah, like what you're saying, like nowadays I feel like it is a little bit, and I think at the root of intuitive eating, it's not about structure and roles. Um, it's about like the nurturing part of like this, like you were saying, like this embodiment, this whole picture, you know, it's mm-hmm. not about just like your body and what you're eating. It's like kind of more of a holistic, like lifestyle choice. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, 
we should totally link some of the episodes from your podcast in the show notes. I know we've le- linked your podcast before, but maybe we could just you you could pick one that you think maybe aligns. Yeah. With the, I mean, they all align with this conversation. But um, should I discuss kind of like my pregnancy journey? Because like that was like the, the my eating disorder yes, recovery please. journey. It does touch every part of my life. I really do think so. And I did that for like a year and I was in all these appointments for like a year and it was outpatient. Um, but, you know, I was very like uh, in a not a great place with my my weight. And I did know my weight at the time. And I think that was a part of my recovery. They like had me weighing. So I'm not going to mention my numbers or anything, but like I didn't have my cycle. And I think that's a huge signal for me. Um, not to say that mm-hmm. the people that people that people are struggling with their eating disorders and still have like regular cycles. So. That was just a huge thing for me is like getting my cycle back and like having enough body fat and having just enough like nutrients to like have that. And that feeds into like pregnancy and everything. So anyway, yeah, for me, I, so before I even got pregnant with Phoenix, uh, I did have, or before I got pregnant with the miscarriage or the pregnancy that ended in miscarriage before Phoenix, I, um, I had gotten on birth control and that was like the first time I had ever really, it was the second time I had gotten on birth control, but it was like a completely different type and I'm not like a birth control person and I don't want to, I'm not judging or anything, but that's just like not something that like has ever really felt right in my personal life. But I do believe in, you know, accessibility with birth control, by the way. But anyway, um, and I, the birth control, I was like doing really well, like in my life and my body, I think I had felt in like my in my, at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, I found my set point. I can eat whatever I want and exercise sometimes. Mm. And and then I took birth control, and um, I just, like, my body put on, like, it just grew. It just got a lot bigger. Um, and I remember that was, like, a really, really strange, really triggering time for me. Um, and that really aligned with, like, my obs- like, my obsession with the Food Psych podcast. It was, like, 2016. I was, like, love Food Psych. And I think that was really helpful for me during that time because I wasn't, like, actually in therapy during that time because I could not afford it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was hard. So going into Phoenix's pregnancy after the – oh, yeah, after the miscarriage, I dealt with, like, a lot of um, hormonal changes and, like, anxiety and depression. And, again, like, I just my, – my body size – just grew and I just got I was just larger than I had been in a very long time like anyway so yeah I stepped into Phoenix's pregnancy at a larger body than I had been in a while and that was challenging for me because the first model of care that I stepped into was a place where they did weigh you and you know I knew my weight at the beginning and towards the middle but once I switched to home birth um I just told her like hey I have a history with eating disorder and I really don't want to know my weight like I just don't want to know and you're right. It gets exhausting telling literally every single person. Like I had gone to an yeah. OB and I had told them. And then the nurse was like, la- she laughed at me. She was older. She was like, oh. okay. She wrote my weight down on the back of a paper. She actually, First she stared at me after I said it. She just looked at me like so annoyed for like three or four seconds. And then she was like, okay. And I was like, I'll just stand on the scale backwards. It's fine. It's really not that hard. It's not that hard, you know? And so I did that. Mm-hmm. And she wrote my weight down on the back of the paper. And we go into the room. And it was like five minutes go by. And she told me my weight as she was punching in the computer. She was like, so what was your weight again? Oh, yeah. And she said that out loud. Like, I don't know. It felt very intentional. And it just felt like weird. But anyway, so between that pregnancy and Phoenix or Sage's pregnancy, I was breastfeeding the whole time. And I think I just like, I really did take on that super traditional like 
like awe of my body. And I did have like a really beautiful time just from the end of that pregnancy, just feeling like I can't believe my body did this. I'm, I can't believe I was ever so mean to my body and, you know, had all these feelings about it and kind of had that moment of like, wow, that's, this is amazing. And this is so cool that I was able to do this. And then, yeah, movement for me, it was kind of like, I had my booty yoga certification, which I don't really do anymore um, at all, honestly, but it was something that felt so fun and so good to me at the time. And so I taught some after Phoenix was born and um, it was just fun until it wasn't. It felt right until it didn't. And then I just stopped (laughs) doing that. You know, it just wasn't something that I really did anymore. And we just walked a lot. And then in my second pregnancy with Sage, I just like, I don't really have a lot to say about my weight and my body during that time, except for just like, I really enjoyed it. Like I really did enjoy that pregnancy. And like you said, there were some things that came up that were like, eh, you know, uh, I don't really love this or it's hard to sleep. My body is getting so big. It's hard to lay down. Mm -hmm. It's like, that was like, in general, that was kind of hard. But I really think I had to consciously choose to like work with my body during that pregnancy. And it was just a little bit easier for me, maybe because I was so distracted. Like a lot of my brain space was taken up by taking care of another baby and being pregnant. So it was like my brain was less noisy with that kind of stuff. Um, And I, can I interject here and say, sorry, but I just want to add that like, With that, I think it's also what I found helpful was to remind myself that like, oh, you're uncomfortable because you're pregnant. You're not necessarily uncomfortable because you're bigger. Like you're, you're uncomfortable because your ankles are swollen and like you are carrying more weight than you're used to, but hello, there's like a seven pound human and all this amniotic fluid and a placenta inside you and you're full of, you're, you know, retaining water and all of that versus like, I'm just bigger and now my body's uncomfortable I think for me bringing it back to the fact that like oh pregnancy just kind of sucks for me um (laughs) (laughs) that that was helpful to like to to shift rather than really start to lean into making my body wrong because it it's not anyway what you're saying about like yeah and I think that this is coming from a space of like the societal bigger is bigger bodies are not as worthy and smaller bodies are better. And so when we're talking about like, we felt like these things and when we were bigger, but yeah, like what you're saying, pregnancy is just uncomfortable for some people. And for some people it's, you know, maybe it's not, I think it's really rare to have like a completely perfect, nothing, absolutely nothing is maybe just slightly bothering you um, in your pregnancy. I totally agree. And I had those moments of just like, yeah, rolling around, flipping around. And I think it was easier for me to remind myself that in my second pregnancy, whereas with my first, I don't even really know. I think I just tried to take it day by day with both pregnancies. And I think that's kind of all you can do. I still do that day by day. Um, But yeah, so stepping into our lives now, I know that you you, I would love to hear about kind of your journey into becoming a yoga teacher and kind of how that, um, yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I'm so like happy for you and so pumped that you did that. And I would love to kind of hear your intersection, like the, you talk about the intersection between like the eating disorder recovery world and becoming certified in some sort of form of movement. Yeah, kind of like what your process was like with that, because I know that that's kind of like a people think of that as like a murky thing to do, but I've been there mm-hmm. too. Um, but I'll say that's something that I think is completely noteworthy, and I, I, 
you know, maybe would not typically share it, but I'm going to share it because I think um, it's very normal and human reaction for someone that has an eating disorder history. Um, but for me with sages, um, after I had sage, I, um, I was bigger than I had been for a while and that started to bring up some discomfort and that postpartum period was also more challenging for me for multiple reasons, um, than Zelda's was. I was working with a child in my classroom. Um, it brought strain on my, or like my postpartum anxiety brought strain on my relationship and, the way I knew to cope was by using my body as a tool to gain validation. And, um, you know, I, I just found myself leaning back into noticing my body more, tracking, not weighing myself yet, but I, I was falling into old behaviors of um, looking at my body more and thinking more about it and being more conscious of it and wanting to control it more and having a harder time pulling out of that. Um, and now I can like look back and give myself a lot of grace and compassion for that because I, I, you know, I was a mom to two, um, and that in itself going from one to two is a really challenging experience. I was working, I was dealing with all these hormones. And so of course, something like my eating disorder, which is a mental illness, like is going to flare up and, um, be the thing that, because for me, and I, you know, a lot of people could relate to this is like, an eating disorder makes you feel like you're in control. Um, even though as it shows up in your life, you're completely out of control, but you feel so in control and safe. And it feels like this, you know, safety fallacy without like that. I feel like without, and I, I remember whenever people would say that, like, Oh, it's a control issue. And I remember my mom has said that several times. I remember whenever I would struggle with that stuff, that was like, so, um annoying i don't know i just remember yeah. being like no it's not because i will just right. sit, like put this out there for anybody who maybe suspects that they've dealt with this in the past or who knows for a fact they have i'm just putting it out there agree or not like for me i didn't i never was like i'm controlling this my brain never was like con- consciously trying to control something so to even like look back like you're saying now and like realize that that's kind of because that is what's happening. It's like your brain trying right. to protect you from external stressors. Or even if yeah. things are perfect, it's just your brain is wired in a specific way. When under stress or X, Y, Z, it does try to control something small. And for some people, it's other things. But for us, it's always right. been bodies, you know, food. Yeah, and it wasn't conscious. Yeah, it definitely wasn't like conscious in the moment. Like, I feel out of control. So I'm going to do this to I'm my gonna body. I'm going to do it. Yeah, is, right. Yeah. It's, and it's also because we live in a culture that teaches us that our weight and our bodies are in our control. And they're actually, you know, more out of our control and more out of our influence than we are taught to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's easy to grasp onto that and think that you can, you know, uh, lose a certain amount of weight by doing XYZ. And then, with that, the promise of happiness and fulfillment and all of that, that, that is the toxic facade. Um, and I started to fall back into that with, in Sage's postpartum period. And I just, I really, um, just, yeah, I just kind of fell. I, I, I wasn't in a way that I, I was like, um, before Zelda, I mean, and I wasn't even like right. practicing certain behaviors, but the the mindset and this mental space I was in definitely was not fully healthy. Kind of the and, same, yeah, yeah, and also, um, 
Like the same feeling is what I meant. Like it kind of gave you, left you with that same feeling of like, "Eh, well, right. This isn't really right. Gotcha. And um, I wanted to say, so I I don't know. Were were you trying to fit yoga into that? Is that what you're trying to say? Is like that yoga was a way for you to do that? Or is yoga kind of the, oh, oh, okay. A segue, like a helpful space. Yeah. So for me, I think before before Sage, I was like, I'm a fully recovered person. I think that this is something that I I wanted to mention is like, I thought my eating disorder recovery is like done, like snip, snap, snout, like we're, (laughs) we're done. And honestly, that's something that Christy Harrison personally kind of preaches is like full recovery. And Mm -hmm. I prescribed that for a long time and I feel differently about it now. Um, I, I, I think yes. And I also, I think that, um, no, <laughs> like in some ways it's like, I've heard of the metaphor of a cliff. Like you get, you can get really far away from the cliff and you can see the cliff, right? And know it's there. And I was in that space between Zelda and Sage. And then after Sage, I'm like really close to the cliff. Like I can see it. I kind of want to go down the cliff. I know I shouldn't yeah. go down the cliff, but there it is. And it's, and then I can get really far away from it again. But for me personally, I'll just say that like, I have the wheelhouse and the resources and the support and the values of full recovery, and yet I know that I'm not immune to getting closer to the cliff. And I didn't your life know that is then. Not, your life is not over. I mean, you know, it's not like you just one day aren't confronted by food and at any point. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with either one or the other. Like, there is right. full recovery or there's not. But I, I'm just saying, like, from my perspective, like, you never stop eating. Like, you, we will have to eat for the rest of right. our lives. And we're it's never going like to stop having... <laughs> right. We're never going to stop having stressors in our lives. Our lives are going to keep growing, keep evolving. And I feel like it would only be natural to have evolving, um, an evolving relationship with food. And I think that is going to have ups and downs. It may not be like that, like, I don't know, quote, rock bottom or whatever made right. you or me or someone else feel like it was time to get help it may not be like that but there may be times where you're kind of on like the lower dip and you are you know you're you're practicing other new behaviors maybe that aren't signaling as being quote bad or anything like that good or bad um so yeah i I totally agree and i've been in the same space and since i'm more of like a like a in a public space than I was uh, when I was a teenager. I think that probably some listeners have seen me go, and I know you have, like, up and down with my own personal, like, journey with, um, quote, health and wellness, where it's, like, I feel like I've circled back to, like, feeling like the whole wellness industry in general is, like, just <laughs> just as bad as the diet industry. It is the diet industry in a lot of ways. I think that there is its own – I don't mean to interrupt your story. I'm really sorry. But I'm just saying, like, uh, no, personally, yeah, I I think that uh, I've been in the ups and downs, too. And uh, it can manifest differently. Anyway, that's all I was trying Yeah, totally. And so to get to the yoga piece, for me, um, the, the postpartum experience and the struggles I was having with – Really, not even it was. It manifested as my body, but it started with self identity. It was kind of like, oh, uh, I have these two kids and I love them, and I'm a teacher, and I have this husband and I love them, and I have this life and I love it. And also, do I want to do this? Do I really want? Is this really the life I want? Like, what is going on? I had this total like 28 year old, like 
like identity crisis. And I think it was because I was on this like precipice of like really coming into who I'm meant to be and who I am now. And it was like, you know, the universe kind of trying to lead me in that direction. And I was being very contrary to it. And I was just, I was moving through a lot of stuff I had to move through. And the way I knew to work with that was by leaning into my body stuff. Um, And so it all kind of came to a head with my first panic attack in February, 2019. And I started, you know, getting treatment and I was put on Adderall and um, Klonopin and my weight and my, and, you know, even just separate from the medication, my life at the time, I just was starting to deteriorate slowly. Um, I was under so much stress. I was in this like very toxic for me work environment. Um, and I, I think I was just ignoring the something that I needed to do. And that was, you know, leave my, my current job and, and shift. And I was ignoring that. And, um, my, my weight and my uh, physical health really started to deteriorate. I started losing my hair. I was losing weight at a rapid speed and um, just in a completely unhealthy way. And I eventually was diagnosed with um, kind of very flippantly and ignorantly by a provider that ugh, I wish I could go back in time and not see, but um, I was diagnosed with uh clinical anorexia. Um, I remember he was just like, he would, yeah, he was like flippantly calling me an anoretic, which is not the proper term for the record. Um, but he was like, oh, well you anoretics have this, you know, when we, when we give you this medication, um, you won't eat. And I was like, no, I'm eating, I'm eating. I'm I'm taking care of my body. Like I'm practicing all the things I'm used to practicing. Like what is going on? And I think it was a combination of the medication and the stress. He was just like very cold to me about it and made me just feel like I was wrong and a problem for having this, you know, illness that I can't um, change or like isn't my fault. So anyway, that that like that was rock bottom for me. And that was December 2019. And that's when I was really, and I was in like this, I was seeing my therapist. I was seeing a couple's therapist. I was in a group therapy, yoga yoga group therapy, all of these different modalities trying to support myself. And so like I I was seeking help. Um, And eventually what really started to like, you know, turn things for me was um, quitting my job and just being at home. And uh, I started going to yoga. I started going to, and I had already started, I mean, I practiced yoga since 2012 and, you know, on and off. And the first time I did it, I will say at the very same studio, and I think this is important to mention and what you were talking about with the murky waters. When I first found yoga, I entered into it from an intention and a space of controlling my body and performing. Like I wanted to be able to do the best standing split. I wanted to be able to do handstand and like the best wheel that you could see and put on Instagram. Like that was why I did yoga. I'm not even kidding. Um, and then in this, this era of my life, I went there, it was a once a week class on Sunday morning at big power yoga in Houston. Um, Valerie Halafka, I went to her class on Sunday morning and it felt like church to me, like the equivalent of church. Like she would bring like some yogic script or a quote or like even just like a book she read. And it was like something to just get me out of my normal headspace and actually not think about my body at all. And the real intention of yoga and even asana, like, you know, the physical practice is to get 
like out of your head and into your body and not thinking about your body, but being in your body and really embodying your body, however it is and however it shows up and meeting it there. And I think starting that is what really helped me heal again and kind of come out of that space that I was in because it reminded me of how powerful I was and how, how, um, I want to say how much in control I was of my body, but I don't mean that in the sense of control like I mentioned earlier. Like basically like how in tune I could be with my body, how connected I was with my body, and the way that I could move through an hour hot yoga class without thinking about changing my body. Um, And that is not something that I would have said would have been good for me earlier on. I would have been like, no, that's so diety. That's like you're. I'm clearly trying to lose weight, and so there is that. I think, I think that does exist in the ether. That that you know that thought and that mindset. And for a lot of people, that's true. I think for a lot of people, it's not safe at certain areas of your journey to enter into a space like that because it can be. And even at the studio, it it could be. Um, and I love them, and they know me, so that's why I'm name dropping. But um, it, it it's. There's certain teachers that could bring, you know, more of a workout. And then there are certain teachers that could bring more of the philosophy and more of the spirituality. And I was seeking more of the spirituality. So I was just mindful of the way that I practiced. Um, And if it ever got too much, I use that as a way to, you know, practice self-care. And I would lay in child's pose for 30 minutes and not give a flip. And I think that was really powerful for me to be able to be like, no, what you need right now is to like drop your knee in crescent lunge or what you need right now is to just tap out and tap into your breath and recognize that that was still doing yoga, that I could practice yoga and take care of my body in so many different ways. And it wasn't this right and wrong thing that I thought that it was in the past. And so doing that all through December and January and February uh, really consistently from the outside, I actually, you know, full disclosure, I had people concerned about me and my weight and uh, my health and seeing I was doing all this hot yoga and thinking that I had um, uh, relapsed into my disorder. But I mean, even looking back now, I think as much as that, that mindset might have been laying low or laying there as it always is, at that point, the reason I was practicing yoga and engaging with it was to confront my capital S self and to be with my body. Um, and I can, and I, I understand why those people were concerned about me or person that was concerned about me and saw it that way. Um, and what's interesting is that from then on, from then till now, I did nothing but gain weight and my health slowly, you know, came back when before I had bruising that couldn't be explained by blood work. My hair was falling out. I had all these like anemic symptoms, like I was having fainting spells, like just all of these things slowly went away um, by just taking care of myself holistically. And sometimes I don't like using that word, but I truly mean that by like taking care of my physical, emotional, and um, spiritual health. And um, I went off the ADHD medication in January. And so, um, yeah, so then I decided to become a yoga teacher, which I did via Zoom from April to June. And uh, it was actually the most powerful experience of my life. And it sounds so weird to say that I learned how to be a yoga teacher online, but it was like, 
you know, live with this community and with all these women that I built connections with. And um, no, that seems fun. And I think that that's such yeah, a 2020 thing to do. Yeah, and I think that, uh, um, yeah, I mean, if I was ever going to become a yoga teacher, it probably should have been this year because of the way my life works with the kids and stuff. Maybe I could have had more, you know, availability to do it virtually. But I think that there probably is so many, so many, so many, so many benefits of doing it in person, of course. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with becoming some sort of, you know, um, movement instructor especially if it is something that you're super passionate about and you especially if you're in the space of like wanting to get more in touch with your own body and wanting to serve your body in a healthy way and maybe help others become more in touch with their body which obviously it sounds like that was your intention behind all of this Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what my intention was whenever I pursued booty yoga which is a completely different um practice and I don't necessarily agree with like a lot of that currently just kind of more of like the the background of it but um for me it was fun for me and it was really fun to like have a room full of people um you know just doing interesting things with their bodies and just having a fun time um that's kind of like my so my current I'm just going to talk about like my current relationship we can just talk about our current relationships with movement and kind of what we think of when we think of intuitive movement. And I think what you've been talking about this whole time with like your yoga and how you approached it from like more of like a, and like the holistic word, but like, you know what I mean? Like this whole Mm -hmm. perspective of like mind, body, soul, kind of like genuine, genuine, general health um, is, (laughs) sorry, I can't help but do the alliteration. I do it all the time. Every time. I love it. Genuine, genuine, general. Um, but yeah, for me, I will say like, it's just transformed after having Sage and even during his pregnancy, like I'm kind of open to trying anything. And that's also just who I am. I'm open to trying like any type of like movement, any type of exercise. I don't want to like be like any type of workout, but in my daily life, like, I guess I use the words like workout and exercise, just, especially if I want to do something by myself, I just tell Con like, yo, I need to like work out. I need to like go get some energy out of my body. And Mm -hmm. I think for me at this point in my life, I can literally feel when I need to slow down and when I need to get, move some energy through my body. And for me, it feels kind of like maybe I'm more anxious at night. Maybe I'm, you know, um, feeling isolated I'm not feeling like connected to nature in any way or maybe I'm just feeling like my body is stiff my body is sore and that's how it physically feels for me whenever um I'm out of touch with movement and I'm not like in a space where I'm moving that much and those are I think that those spaces like those periods of time where you're not moving as much definitely belong and I think that they they serve us in so many ways but for me um currently that's kind of when I know like maybe I should try something new and and I I have had to work through like the whole like (laughs) this isn't as much of like a an old eating disorder tendency but it's really just much like my personal scheduling um issues like I my flexibility issues with time and uh timing and scheduling and just perfectionism in general like I like to get rigidity yes I like to get movement done 
early in the day so that like later mm-hmm. in the day if something pops up i will you know i'm not like waiting to do the walk i'm not waiting to do the dance workout i'm not waiting to do x y and z it's like it's done and it's happy and i also like the way that it makes me feel throughout the day but that's not like the first thought that's like the second or third thought it's like oh i'll feel better you know <laughs> it's like, i'll feel good mm-hmm. it's like that's like always like the last thought the first thought is like no 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 no. i need to get it done because if i don't do it now then i'm not going to do it later and that is like such a that's such a weird perfectionism thing. Like I just, anyway, so I can try I to step. A, can I ask a question? Sorry. Mm-hmm, yeah. Is it like, are you at a place where you're okay if it doesn't get done? Oh, like if I was planning on doing it and I don't. Like it's like yeah. something and I, yeah. I, I, I currently am at a good space where like, <laughs> I like, for me, it's it definitely comes and goes because I, it flows into my anxiety surrounding sleep. Right. And like, if I don't mm. move, what if I don't sleep as well because I'm not tired? Do you know what I mean? Like that kind and then of. you get into like a spiral. So that is more about sleep in my world of like expend- expenditure of energy, like versus, because I struggle with insomnia. So it's like, I get stuck at night, like wondering things like, is it because I didn't move? Is it X, Y, and Z? So, um, that's just one of the things. It's like, is it because I drank too much coffee? Is it because this? Is it because this? It's like, I just am constantly searching for answers. But currently, right now, where I'm at, um, I I still, yeah, I, I we've had some snowy days, some icy days, and I've just stayed home with the kids. And I just like, yeah, it's like, it doesn't even become an option, if that makes sense. I'm just like, oh, okay, well... I guess we're not going to go on our walk today. Um, And it's more of a bummer because I think about the kids and I think about like they love being outside and I think it's really important to get them outside. And not that I'm saying they can't be outside when it's cold, but it's just like I really enjoy our walks. It's like a really special thing for me. Um, And my body just feels so good. Just it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I just I know that we're all born. Well, that's not true. But I know that we I know that as human beings, we function well whenever we're able to move our bodies and move our muscles and um some of us are not able to do that so i know that that's just speaking from like an able-bodied person but for me personally i just feel good when i'm moving in a natural way like whether i'm stretching or whether i'm more of like a i guess quote gentle way i don't i don't know it really depends on where you are with your like with your movement journey, I think like for mm-hmm. me, I've been up and down and I've done hit workouts and those have served me in certain times in my life. I've done aerobic workouts and those have served me like aerobic videos and stuff. And those have served me for certain points in my life, but where I'm at right now, what feels good, what feels intuitive to me right now. And I'm like, I'm fluid. I try to stay fluid with this type mm-hmm. of thing because obviously I just said I'm not because of the rigidity of my schedule and that kind of thing. I have to constantly check myself and check in and give myself permission to do nothing <laughs> always mm-hmm. like that's kind of you always right. have to go into it with like this permission to do like what if I did nothing and that would be okay kind of mindset and like even just right. saying that out loud is like ah, it's like a deep breath you know it's like I actually have full permission to do nothing and still be worthy of my life and like everything mm-hmm. is good um and not even like I have to, I, I feel like I, I, it has to be said like this for me, it's really not even talking about none of what I'm talking about right now. It has to do with the way that I look like I, I, that's not even really on my mind these days. And I know that this, some of this process is about, I mean, some of this conversation, I meant to say podcast, some of this conversation was supposed to be like body image. And I think we talked a lot about that before, but where I'm at right now with body image and movement is like, 
yeah, I just, I'm not really spending that much time looking at myself. But when I do, I do look at myself with like gentleness and love. And I think I just look at myself in this way that like nothing is permanent. I, I, that's just kind of where I am right now. And maybe it's because I've been pregnant or breastfeeding for the past like four years. So it's like, maybe my body, I'm just my mentally, I'm kind of like, like holding my body with an open hand which is kind of what we always say the open hand thing I'm always gonna say that I need like a shirt that and, says that they um, say it all the time. I would say at this point in my life I feel more than just neutral to my body I definitely feel um a little bit more love than I felt in the past but I think just like always having that neutral place to go back to is kind of what I aim, like what I strive for. And it's hard to fit all of this into one episode. I wasn't anticipating that. Um, I thought we could just like go for it. But I think like, yeah, maybe next season we can have another episode where we revisit, you know, kind of more of this conversation. Um, Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at personally. My favorite things to do are like to go on long walks and like for like just to smell the fresh air and to look at the trees and just I feel way more grounded and I feel less in my body I feel like more it's more of a spiritual thing whenever I go on my long walks and stuff I just feel like more purposeful like my brain feels more clear I have just you know more I feel more in tune with my purpose and um, yeah, I just feel grounded. And then I also love to dance. I love to just turn on like my favorite music and dance with my kids. And that um, that can be something I do any day or I'll go a long time without doing it. But I do try to dance like <laughs> a few times a week just because like it's such a big release for me and it's not something I ever did. And I don't think I have to be, I need to be good at it in any way. It's just like fun for me to do and it always brings a smile to my face and sometimes it makes me cry just because I I just feel my body just gets this huge rush and my I just start Mm -hmm. crying and I just feel like wow it's almost like a movie moment moment thing going back to like how we always talk about that it's just like there she is dancing and having fun I don't know it's like Grey's Anatomy like dance it out crap yeah (laughs) that's that's what I like to do and I think that it's yeah it's just Like I said earlier, it's just a way for energy to, like, move through me. And I do feel a huge – it's just medicine in a lot of ways to me to be able to move in a way that feels good. And um, it really just has a lot to do with I know how good it makes me feel um, just emotionally and not because of, you know, not because of what it would have felt – why it would have felt that way in the past. Maybe, like, when I was a teenager or in my early 20s, whenever – you know, maybe I was working out more to get a specific physical look. Um, I don't know. It's, it really barely crosses my mind these days. But it does. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying that at all. I definitely think about my body sometimes. And sometimes I'll look in the mirror and, you know, right now I think I, I'm confronted by my aging face. And that's something that is new to me. And that's like a whole different <laughs> a whole mm. new chapter um mm-hmm. is like the wrinkles in my face and my thoughts about you know botox or fillers and stuff and my thoughts on that if you're wondering is like i think that whatever you're doing for yourself i have no judgment about i mean if you're doing something for someone else definitely like i wonder about that and i you know i want people to feel empowered and embodied in their choices
So for me, it's it's interesting because in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, doing my training, I was practicing yoga like five or six times a week. And then I got certified and I just like stopped for a while. I was like, whoa, like I need a break from that. Um, and it's, it, it's kind of ebbed and flowed. And I think um, right now where I'm at is um, I recognize that my yoga practice is a way for me to tap in to kind of like my home base and get really clear, be really grounded. And right now that looks like at most, at best, or not at best, but like <laughs> at most, um, five sun A's, five sun B's, maybe some hip openers, and then like laying on my mat for like 30 seconds before my kids come and lay on top of me. Yeah. And that's being very generous. And so I, I think it's important for me uh, to, I have a lot of, uh, I I'm trying to lean into a lot of grace and understanding with myself right now around body image and movement, because I'm at this place where, you know, I'm, I'm bigger than I was a year ago. And some of that is really confronting for me and I can get caught up in the, like, what does that mean? And just having to remind myself that my worth is inherent and separate from the way that I look and, that my body will continue to change for the rest of my life and that my what, whatever way I choose to move my body is um, just constantly, especially for people that are, you know, predisposed for over-exercising or, you know, um, disordered eating or any of the realm of that relationship, like we've been saying, like checking in with where you're at and being honest with yourself, I think is a really helpful tool and guideline because it's so easy in our society to, to slip in and um, do it for different reasons. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I have a very active job. I'm outside all morning with five-year-olds and, you know, we're like, I'm like hauling firewood and moving logs and like gardening and like, like, you know, and I, for me, I feel very physical and embodied in that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's a constant and daily check-in of like, do I want to get on my mat to like come back to myself or do I want to get on my mat because I should? And that the shoulds are a big one for me. Um, And yoga, true yoga, like the eight limb path, the whole picture is such a neutral space that allow that like when entered in and practiced in that way allows you to be as you are and not as you should be. And that's where I'm, I'm kind of uh, practicing that right now is just letting my practice look however it's going to look and not hold rigidity around it because I too have a tendency, you know, very type A, really like to know what's going on. I'm, I'm a hi- highly sensitive person. So routines and rhythms are uh, feel really safe to me. And yet in that, I can hold myself to these ridiculous high expectations and burn myself out. Um, and so right now with work being really demanding and really stressful, um, I'm just in a place of reminding myself that like I, I'm in the middle of working and living in a, a global health crisis and I'm serving very young children that take a lot of my energy. And some days that means waking up at 5.15 so I can get some movement in and some days that means sleeping in an extra hour because you know, my body really needs it. And it's a daily check-in of like, 
what do I need to take care of my body? And sometimes that move that's movement. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not movement. And that, um, that in and of itself is a practice. And I will say like, for me, yoga is my, my, my preferred, um, movement other than I do like to go on walks, uh, alone. I like to go on walks alone. Um, (laughs) it's a completely different Experience, it's a different experience when you're alone it's completely yeah but if different. i was a stay-at-home mom i would probably do both or try to do both or that would be goals or something um but yeah like walking yoga um i too love a dance party and i i think something worth mentioning here too is like you know our emotions and trauma are stored in our bodies and that's what i experienced when i did so much yoga in the beginning of like my realizing that i was kind of like at this new low um I cried at every single yoga practice for almost the entire time yeah. for like two months straight because I had so much stuff from my whole life that I had just buried and buried and buried by going and going and going and that being my personality type. So, um, you know, throwing on some music and moving through a bad mood is like really helpful to me. Um and same for a walk. Like, it's a good way to get yourself mm-hmm. uh, back. Absolutely. Like, whole and united to, like, who you really are and not, like, yeah. you know, just acting out of a place of reaction. Yeah. Um, and that's movement's what I was a good way to, to, yeah, movement's a good way to pull yourself out of, like, a reactive mindset. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say, too, is, like, it's, it's funny. And I think that this deserves to be said for anyone else that's come in, maybe in a similar position as me and Prim, like with our history and everything. It's like you were saying, what did you just say about yoga? It being um, a neutral some, space? No, you said something about about it had something to do with like it's not about perfection. But you didn't say perfection, oh, but being, it has something kind of being as you are and not as you should be. It's just like be gentle with ourselves. And I'm just saying, like, I applaud you for everything that you shared today. Um, I think that your journey is beautiful and I think that you're doing a great job. And and um, I guess I should like think about that for myself, honestly, what I just said. But um, I think I'm, I can be really hard on myself about even like. I think maybe it's because I do have like a larger platform and I don't want to like put anybody in a box or put myself in a box or, Mm. you know, say one thing is right and one thing is wrong or this is right and this is right and now this is right and now this is right. And for me, I never try to do that. It's just like me presenting as myself and where I'm at and along my journey. And a lot of it comes down to like people wondering about my veganism and like that whole thing. And like for me, I let go of that for so long. Like I definitely was more into like animals rights when I was like really young, like a teenager and I didn't like eating meat at home. And it was like, and I, this is just my experience and my um, my spiritual connection to the animals that we don't eat. I guess in our in our life, like we're, that we're choosing not to eat right now. And I'm not saying that that is right. I'm not saying that is wrong for anyone, anyone, anyone. And even whenever I went through my health coaching journey, we learned about bio individuality and how like one thing that's you know, feels really good to one person might be poison for someone else. And so Mm. I'm not saying veganism is good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like in my life, this full circle where I'm at right now, and I'm not saying this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life because I don't think that that like serves me or serves anyone else. Like, you know, like stagnant people. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not saying like anything. I'm just saying where Colin and I personally are at right now, um, we do feel connected and i'm not saying that people that do eat animals 
are not connected to animals, just disclaimer, I'm not saying that, just us personally, we feel that in, from an environmental space and from a, um, from just like caring, just feeling that connection to the animals in a sense that we don't want to eat them when they're dead. Um, I think that that whole conversation for us um, comes from a space of that conversation. It doesn't come from a space of what is good and what is bad on our plates or the fear of calories or fat or health consequences or anything like that. Um, though I have like gone down that rabbit hole too and I have to like kind of just with my history and who I am and my tendencies, um, my biases with that, I hmm. do try not to go down those holes and or engage in that conversation with people as much as I used to because I, I would I, I mean you asked me like two or three years ago I totally would you know and so like where right. I'm at right now is like there is so much that came out of 2020 like even just this oh, year God. like I mean you, you said that you were struggling like this time last year so like you've mm -hmm. come so far in this year and I and, and I feel the same way with my journey in general there's just so many more important things to talk to my loved ones about these days right. than yeah. food and then what right. they're eating. And I'm not saying the animals aren't important. I'm not saying that. I know that we do have probably some listeners that observe a vegan lifestyle. One or the other doesn't make me a better person. I think it's this overall right. pick. From my and Colin's perspective, because he eats cheese sometimes, it's this overarching like message. Oh, sorry. I hit the mic. It's this overarching like broad like message of like this is something we believe in but we don't need to be perfect in our small choices if that makes sense and and I will just say for for just for just the 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 big message of like the environmentalism I really really think that uh, um it, that responsibility should fall on the industry and not on the consumer because like honestly we can do so much we really can but we can only do so much like even right. if all of us ate you know no animals or if we only shopped sustainable fashion or if we all drove electric cars or whatever there would still be these huge corporations that have to change on their fundamental level so blah blah blah, blah. and environmentalism is its own whole thing for me that's a big part of my life but again just trying to be fluid trying to be flexible and i think 2020 was a huge lesson in that for me because not everything is accessible and it's also right. yeah a, a class conversation blah blah blah, blah. Mm -hmm. but that's my piece about veganism where i'm at with I, that <laughs> and i think too carson like what i'm hearing a lot is like i i feel like you put so much pressure on yourself uh to to show up a certain way and you are like you do have a, such a large following and I I think with this podcast and for me I think even just being on the other end of that for a long time as one of your followers um, or following anyone um, and how I try to reach out in the world is like you know the fact that you're human and having just this human experience I think that that for for this podcast the and the feedback we've gotten so far like that does so much more for people than like holding ourselves in this like rigid, judgmental, high expectation space. Like we're trying to just offer our real stories and real experiences and imperfect, you know, human lives to others. Right. Because if we're going through it and have gone through it, like so have our listeners. And we don't, you know, it, it's, yeah. I think continuing that cycle of holding ourselves to these ridiculous standards or having to be the perfect vegan or having to be the perfect yoga teacher or having to be the perfect whatever that 
is, you know, that's not really what we're out to cause. Like, I think we're really out to cause, you know, connection um, and vulnerability and realness through the things that we've experienced. And I think that everything that we've said in that conversation sparks that. And um, I know we're both hard on ourselves about showing up a certain way and we want to uh, do justice to these conversations and yet like connection really comes in like the messiness and I think you know we're, we're doing it all we're doing it and I really appreciate that and I'm having fun and this has been really good for us I think and uh yeah I love that I mean that's a really good way to close it thank you so much for saying mm-hmm. all of that and uh with that do you want to move into the recommendation of the week Okay, so mine, I had, I kind of just picked it while we were recording this episode because I totally spaced and didn't pick one ahead of time. Um, But this is actually a really amazing episode because I was thinking, like, what podcast episodes have I loved lately? And so um, this episode is an episode of the Evidence Based Birth Podcast, and I will link it. It actually came out in February, which is weird. It's kind of old. So this episode is called Inclusion for Queer and Transparent Families with Dani Crowfoot. And this episode was awesome. I loved it. It's not perfect. Um, Rebecca Decker did a really good job of talking about, like, how she's incorporated, um, like, either they, them pronouns in her teachings or, like, just, like, change the language surrounding, like, birth parents and just trying to be more inclusive. Um, It's not a perfect conversation, but I really, really appreciate Dani and what they brought to the conversation um, as a person of color and as someone that identifies, like, is non-binary. So I thought that was a really good episode. Uh, Just kind of talks about navigating the healthcare system. And they even talk about, like, there's, like, barely any studies or information surrounding, like, um, trans men who want to give birth in their exposure to you know taking testosterone or any type of like hormone therapy and it's just like there's just not that much information out there so Mm. she or yeah there's not that much information out there so they just presented the conversation like how can we get more studies done and that was just an interesting conversation um very simple easy to digest if like you are trying to explore more of the conversation of representation for like lgbtqia plus Uh, parents so that was mine cool thanks um it's so weird when you said it was like in february so that's kind of long ago i was thinking like whoa february that's like a different world like we lived in a different world in february what's weirder to me is that we are two (laughs) we're only two months away from february right now i know and like i I feel like february pre-pandemic just happened but and we thought it was going to be like a month anyway what what is your fun one so mine is, so I know it's like Christmas Eve Eve, but um, since Thanksgiving, I've been, uh, f- for a couple different reasons, I've been making homemade whipped cream. And mm. oh my God, just go make some homemade whipped cream. Like it's so freaking good. Like I had it with berries uh, for a children's birthday, uh, children, two, two different children, uh, birthday celebrations this week at school. And of course, like made it with pumpkin pie. And I've just been like, it's so, I don't know, it's so delicious. So go make some fresh homemade whipped cream. It's such a like, good, cheery little, you know, throw it on some hot cocoa. Oh my God. Black coffee with fresh whipped cream on top. Oh my God. Please put it in my body. Yummy, yummy, delicious. I was actually going to say, like, on a not that it needs to be plant based because 
literally dairy whipped cream is delicious and divine. Yes, but, they but do if make you us, have recommendations, please. They do. So, yeah, I was going to say um, this is something maybe I'll try. This will maybe be my rec of the week next week if I try it. They make a new Silk makes a heavy whipping cream. It's brand new. But usually I'd like to do coconut whipped cream, which is like all of the like coconut fat that sits at the top. You oh, can just whip that top, up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, with like powdered sugar or whatever. Cane sugar, I don't know. Powdered sugar is more of a frosting thing, but oh my gosh, sounds so good. Um, Well, Prim, thank you so much for coming to this conversation today. We kind of just went in just to have a convo, and I think we did. We came out on the other side with an hour and a half of deliciousness, and I'm sorry for my power going out. Don't be sorry. It's not your fault, and it all ended up exactly as it should be. And thank you for sharing everything on your end. And yeah, thanks for listening, you guys. If you have any questions or want to connect about this episode, because um, I feel like we touched a bunch of personal stuff, feel free to reach out in our DMs at Conscious as a Mother on Instagram or our email Conscious as a Mother Pod P O D at gmail.com. Yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Conscious as a Mother. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe because we release new episodes every week. See you next week.